progressivism. Um, and again, that's just the idea that there's progress in history. Um, and that, and, and so basically, hence my question. My question is whether you know there is there are several axi, axi yeah, yeah. Several Will axi, you let me answer the question? There are several <laughs> axi uh, on which uh, you know morality of which morality consists, and mm. we kind of are progressing on one, sure. the uh, you know ability to execute our good morals. Sure. But we might not be necessarily progressing on sure. the other one, i.e., the way we actually you know behave. <laughs> like yeah, the way we're not so much of uh, behave, but mm. what we actually think is good or not. Yeah. Right. Sure. So sure. We, like, well, there would be always people who would be saying, you know, you should not kill, you know, living beings, you know, yeah. Hindus, you know, sure. uh, Pythagoras, you know, they were all like vegetarian. Yeah. Of so, course. Yeah. Look, you're completely right, but you you're sort of asking the question and then answering it. <laughs> and so I just need to defend the other interpretation of course I completely agree with you and I think that there is a very naive form of progressivism and I think the opponents of people like Steven Pinker and Sam Harris um, like to characterize them as extremely naive progressivists um, but I don't think they're nearly as naive as their caricatures suggest that they are but even if they are excessively naive, that doesn't mean that there isn't progress in history. So I think there's there's a view of, you know, it, you and I obviously conceive of this as a, as a sort of an evolutionary tree. Um, and there is a naive view of it, which is that this tree has, you know, one trunk and it just shoots all the way upwards. And then there's even a naive view, which is that it, it's a many branching path, but all of them go in the same direction. But there's a different view which says that the that there's a, a trend that is weighted towards you know what it's weighted towards it's weighted towards the generation of novelty and i think that that like the exploration of novel space look that's how evolution in general seems to seems to go you know that it explores new things so we had nothingness in the deep past or you know whatever past for nothingness and then we've explored a whole range of possible states most of which are going to be more complex than nothingness. And you look at biological evolution and, you know, Stephen Jay Gould, of course, would talk about how there's no progress in biological evolution or there's no, um, there's no trajectory, there's no teleology, of course, which is a very loaded word, you know, goal-directed by law. There's no law of progress, he would say. And, you know, there's obvious truth to that. However... There's also a law of generation of novelty, of exploring new space. And the yeah, and in some way, you know, there is like certain teleology, you know, like which we see in freaking toxins. Which we see all throughout. We see it all throughout biology, man. Like, biology is extremely teleological because yeah. <laughs> that's obvious. And I mean, that's the point has been Yeah, like when you're more. involving an eye, you are revolving an eye. Absolutely, because of function. That's, yeah. that's what differentiates that directionality in biology is different from directionality in in physics you know it would be yeah. a bit more mystical to talk about the the generation of complexity in the universe like the formation of stars and the formation of solar yeah, systems yeah, yeah. and galaxies like there is, as there is teleological no goal in just formation of stars but mm. there is a goal in formation of a better eye absolutely you want to speak better um, that's so the major insight uh, of, of, of natural selection, it, it, and many a philosopher of biology has made this point. Yeah, yeah. but what you're saying, what you're saying, I mean, I, mm. I kind of agree, yeah. but just 
I know, as a kind of devil's advocate. Well, we it both also, just being devil's advocate. In a way, makes, it makes sense that, uh, you know, the like we're exploring novel spaces if we're aware of the previous spaces. Sure. And in biology, you know, yeah. in genes, you're yeah. aware of the previous sure, spaces sure. because yeah. you encode the previous states in your genome, like you are the result of that. Absolutely. While in culture, you can be, I mean, we have this discussion, mm. in culture, you can be unaware of the previous states. You can be, but, uh, the, so but culture like, they is not only, unaware. You know, acting you knew as far as yeah. they consider should be culture that you are in. Sure. So sure. if you can't, you know, like exploring ideas of previous generations sure. if you are not exposed to them. And it seems that in, I know, like in our culture especially, it's very, you know, like time-centric. It's very like now-centric. Mm. You know, things become <laughs> you know, things yeah. become like, we're not looking back. We're like, you yeah. know, okay, now, we live in, you know, the movies of the you know previous year, the old movies. We have new yeah. movies now, and so on. I think that's, so I think that's temporary. People who drive how now in a lot of sense because you know they're mostly driven by the most vocal people of today and yeah. those most vocal people of today they either teenagers or some sort yeah, of them i don't think or that's true people who empathize with them and yeah. they don't really look back yeah just... i don't think that's true man I, I i get that that it's just this where we were in, in the first part of our of our last podcast i get that that is a mainstream narrative now it's a mainstream narrative in the anti-mainstream that people are not interested in history and people are and, and that these people are the dominant um, culture uh, creators of the future. I just don't think that that's true. I think that they have a big influence and that they're a big part of the culture. And I think that we are in some sense moving, whether you want to define it as forward or whether you want to define it as sideways or whatever, we are moving, we, we are generating novelty more, oh, ra no, more rapidly no no, no but it, we're doing it more rapidly sure than ever before by the previous phase. yeah hold on hold on, hold on, hold on. on. just sorry i'll just try and finish that point um yeah we, we <laughs> because we are um we're generating novelty apps so rapidly people are more focused on that process of, of generation of novelty you know superficially that's very attention grabbing new stuff new stuff new stuff new stuff new stuff you know so People, yeah, they, they have their eyes on that and they have less attention put onto the past and, and properly studying history and things. That is a phenomenon. I'm not sure how dominant it is, but it's certainly a big thing at the moment. But I think that with, again, I'll just take the optimist point of view, with the availability of information that there is now, with videos like those crash courses in history, for example, yeah. where people can absorb a massive amount of historical information and, and the deep philosophical interpretation of it in 10 minutes, yeah. people will become more and... Yeah, whatever. Minutes. They usually 12 minutes. <laughs> people will become more and more interested in that kind of stuff because people will find that just concentrating on this very superficial, rapid generation of novelty is not fulfilling. After a while, it won't capture their attention anymore. Their novelty-seeking impulses will actually look for that novelty in the, the intellectual frameworks, in our you know, cultural inheritance, our cultural capital. I strongly believe that because I think that that stuff is very, very interesting to humans. I think that we are essentially, um, we're designed by evolution in a teleological sense to be interested in humans and I think that if you want to get deep into your knowledge of humans and human nature, you're going to have to study the works of all the people who've been studying yeah, that I'm, beforehand. I'm completely with you. No, but so I think yeah, that that yeah. will happen as a natural consequence of people's, you know, 
crazy amounts of they're, they're glutton for information processing i think people are becoming very gluttonous for information yeah. and i think but that naturally that will start to include more of the past and, and it, it already includes more of nature and, and things than it has before in some sense uh, you could easily yeah. you could easily argue but against it that seems, <laughs> it seems to me that uh it's more yeah like people definitely become more gluttonous for information you know? mm -hmm. but they want to consume information in in a lot of sense that kind of you know uh, agrees with them. That's so always been the they, way. They yeah. want to to go yeah. for you know to see other people's agreement with them, and they don't want to see people disagreeing with I them. Don't they don't necessarily anything want new. to expand their worldview towards sure, the other sure. side they, so, because they're like yeah. you know, and because they they are able to do that, they more and more cement themselves into the idea that they are right, and they're less and less sure. inclined to go. You know, check something that out is the silo effect. And also, uh, I think uh, the tendency of people to think, you know, progressively, especially yeah. when they're progressivists themselves, mm -hmm. is that the old what the past has to say is bullshit. We are now over it. We're smarter. We're better. And you know, like all the uh, smart people in the previous, they were just stupid, and yeah. we have it right now. Sure, and I mean, we will make it right. Like. Absolutely. Look, it, I think that that is amazing. That will prevent them from getting, you know, the yeah. insights from whatever. Absolutely. Heraclitus or something. Sure. I don't I, know, I, so. Yeah, you know, you know, of course, that I very, very strongly agree with that, that I, we talk about this frequently, that people are, you know, giving up on their cultural capital in this very arrogant way. I mean, that was exactly the words that I used when we were discussing the AI lecture. That I said, you know, and those scientists walking out and saying philosophy has nothing to op offer us. It's this incredible arrogance of, you know, exactly that, thinking that even the mediocre scientific minds of today are far more knowledgeable than yeah. the, you know, greatest minds of the past. I'm, I agree that that's an, that is a current in our, um, in our current <laughs> cultural evolution that is influential and that is bad and that is damaging i just don't have any fear that it's going to win particularly right because i see i mean we are trying to do this thing we're trying to talk about this we're trying to undermine that and i think just the fact that there are so many podcasts now that are becoming very popular very rapidly people like jordan peterson and you know i don't want to keep talking about jordan peterson but people like jordan peterson having you know pretty respectable numbers hundreds of thousands and millions of views of his um of his videos on youtube you know joe rogan millions of views millions of downloads not every you know of course i don't agree with everything any of these people say but what they are doing is that they are they're interested in history they're breaking down mainstream narratives they're critically interrogating things they're integrating conceptual frameworks i i still believe that that which has always been the it's it's kind of always been the preserve of you know i don't like to say the elite i'm not an elitist but there has always been a relatively i know you are of course you are there's always been a relatively small percentage of society that was really engaged with that kind of stuff and so maybe it's still a relatively small percentage of society now, but it's way more people than it ever has been, probably. Uh, and that information is so available now that I think that number of people will just keep growing. People, especially people who are just in inherently a bit bright, they get bored really easily with this very superficial, rapid generation of novelty. They start wanting to study. In the past, 
that elite status would be cut off to them because they wouldn't be able to get into university later in life when they suddenly realised how you know interesting the world could be or any number of reasons. They couldn't rise above their, their you know class background in order to get a tertiary education and things like that. Now people don't even need to do that. People can just download podcasts with some of the, let's be honest, some of the wisest stuff that has ever been said but really, really interesting public philosophers, which is what I think they are. I'm not, you know, speaking of just the people that I just named. Um, I just think there are so many really hard-hitting, amazing intellectuals. And that includes, you know, Sam Harris and Stephen Pinker and Richard Dawkins and the people that you strongly disagree with and that I disagree with some of their simplification. I strongly around. disagree with Sam Harris. Most sure, of the time. sure. But so. the thing is... He is a very high order of public intellectual for someone who has the degree of exposure that he has. People are interested in critically interrogating reality. Doesn't mean they're going to yeah. get to what you think are the right answers, but you know they are interested. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I mean I know. Uh, the question is then though uh, whether you know those groups will just continue to um, you know uh, having ever widening gaps between them. So whether there will be people who are, not there will be, there definitely will be people, but yeah. whether, whether we will have, you know, a more informed um, and more coherent public discourse in general, or whether we will have just yeah. more and more small groups that have yeah. their people different to other groups. Yeah. Well, I, I so don't think that, that's easy now, like, It was always like this, right? You have yeah. a mainstream view, sure. I mean, not always, but kind of most of the time. You have a mainstream view, and then you have, you know, some small groups that saying, like, you know, hey, the mainstream is bullshit, and yeah. we are right, and they all kind of different flavors. Sure. But what we see right now is that, I mean, we still have a mainstream view, but <clears throat> there, it's like kind of smaller, and we have um, stronger alternative opinions. Sure. You know, we have the truthers, we have, you know, the, the conservatives, we have mm -hmm. Rogan, yeah. we have, you know, what, all those guys, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it seems like it's just going into the uh, just more silence, where we have yeah. more and more groups yeah. that are, this yeah. is right. And then sure. the other group is like, this sure. is right. And you know, like the rise sure. of alternative facts sure. and all that. Okay, so, so I, think, I think that that's, um, that's true. And I think that that's in some sense necessary. But I think that there's also a greater current in science and, and philosophy um, Towards, yeah, hang but, on, towards integrated like thinking than there ever has been before. People are trying to integrate the many disparate frameworks of the past. And that kind of integrative thinking just filters down. And people are interested in, in wider ranges but of subjects. Like, you know, the people who integrate stuff, they just become another additional group to that. So you have, you know, group A, group B, and group that tries to integrate A and B. So it doesn't seem like... You know, people from group A try to integrate with group B. It's just somebody else was like, hey, you know, I will take whatever's good from this and from this. You know, it's like if you're using science as an example, in science, it actually becomes more and more apparent to me that, you know, I'm talking to scientists, like, you know, in, uh, in my institution, because it's just like, you know, nobody else than them. So uh, <laughs> I'm talking to them, and sometimes I'm amazed at how uninformed they are about the disciplines that are outside of their own. Sure. Like, you know, yesterday I was asked whether a hornet is a male bee or not, and whether a wasp is something different from a bee or not. Mm. And you would be like, hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, I was asked the second, another question, whether you know the... Um, like the pain that you feel after you know the bee stings you, wasp stings mm. you, comes from them biting on you. Mm. And you would think that 
this is something people know, but they don't. Obviously, and I would you would the, think the, that, the but I that keeps them. You know, like mm. the, that. What really amazes me. I mean, this is kind of fine-ish. I would be fine with that. But what I'm more impressed in a bad way is with ability to people to get rid of rationality outside of their domain of expertise. Sure. So I would be talking to a guy who is like, you know, great with, uh, you know, whatever, light scattering spectroscopy or something. Yeah. And so he's pretty good in that. And if you talk to him about this, he's like, you know, will be very scientifically accurate. Mm. But then he'll be talking to you about, you know, some clearly fake documents of, you know, like, I don't know, I'm making the sound, but it was simple, right? Like, Protocols of Zion. Yeah. Like, they are, like, we know it's really easy to trace that they are, yeah. you know, like, you know, fake. Sure. And if you read them, they're like, you know, satirical almost, yeah. right? They're humorous. And so, <laughs> yeah. a person would take them seriously and then go on and construct his, you know, worldview based on that. Mm. And you're like, where is your scientific rigor? Yeah. But I see a lot of those people. I yeah. see, like, that, you know, a person can be, I mean, I am kind of a religious, but my, you know, I'm like quasi-religious, I would say. But there are people who, you know, actual, I don't know, like actual Christians, right? And they work uh, with evolutionary biology. And this is fine by me, but then when you go and ask them, they will be, you know, they make, they will be making claims that would make no sense in light of evolution. You know, they would make no sure. sense in light of, you know, biology. Yeah. But they were still making them because they kind of are very, you know, easy, like for them it's very easy to separate their two domains of knowledge. I'm doing science by day, and in the evening I'm, you know, thinking that Noah's Ark and, you know, the flood was actually real. <laughs> and you're like, they don't even try to reconcile that. This is what amazes me. There is no yeah. problem for them. They just, like, sure. you know, exist as two sure. separate entities within themselves. Yeah. And I, I see a lot of those. Uh, yeah, of course. And I think, you know, you see a lot of those people and then you, you know, you despair of that and, and it forms a big part of your worldview. And I totally get that because there are obviously a lot of those people. I think people have always been like that. You remember my my meme pyramid idea? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, this this exactly fits that, which is the idea that there are, you know, that the um, our worldview is, is constructed out of a out of a kind of a pyramid scheme of memes and at the highest levels, as you go up each level, you have less memes, but each of them has control over the, you know, a greater percentage of the memes below them. And when you get to the top, you get a couple of master memes, and those might be, you know, your, your you know, God exists or whatever it might be. They might hopefully be some really moral things or, or, or whatever. They could be, they could be great. But the worldview is constructed out of a hierarchy of, of concepts. And in order for, for if, if your deepest concept is like Genesis is literally true or something like that, or the Old Testament is li literally true, and that's one of your master memes, you might still be able to have, um, you know, able to do some sort of descriptive work within biology, but you will necessarily, the explanatory framework provided by evolutionary biology will necessarily be excluded um, from your worldview by the fact that it runs into a more powerful meme in its, you know, uh, intended level of hierarchy somewhere up the sure. top. If it's, you know, the high, like, I'm basically, I'm not sure that there was, you know, a, a mono psyche in case sure. of those guys. And sure. Maybe in case of anybody. Yeah, yeah. I feel like sure. it's just like, yeah. like sub-constructs yeah, that you yeah. occupy when you're doing your job, that you're not doing your job. Like, just, you know, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't connect. Like, I feel like, yeah. I mean, you love maybe your coherence, but I feel like, you know, yeah. people are not really coherent in their, you know, general life. No, I think, you, I think you're but absolutely this, right. This is the thing that I keep uh, keep hearing from since I, I don't know, I'm really, I was really, really young. It's like, you know, oh, but this is really philosophy and we can't really apply yeah, it in life. Yeah. And like, this is the, the point yeah. that, you know, you take the, whatever, for the sake of example, you know, the categorical imperative of Kant and you apply it in life like this is the idea sure. and so but people it's like no this is the philosophy we sit yeah. you know and drink beer and you know talk about it but when we do actually life life is different you know there is no philosophy in life life just yeah different stuff of course so and I think I think obviously the the meme pyramid thing is, is a very very ridiculously simple toy model um, and clearly people are not well integrated. People are all sorts of sub-processes. And to some extent, they always will be, especially because there are a lot of pre-cognitive um, elements there or pre-consciousness, certainly, you know, being hungry and all sorts of different things. But, uh, you know, you're kind of using a, um, a sort of a Jungian view of the unconscious as or, you know, a view of the unconscious as composed of all these disparate entities. And I think that that's true. But Jung's idea of self-realization, I mean, the only reason I'm saying Jung is because I think it connects the ideas well and it's someone that you're interested in too. I just think that it's obviously true <laughs> that, um, uh, and, and of course, maybe that's my downfall, but that integration of those models is part of the, um, the impulse towards having a kind of greater mental health, if you want. And the more information you're taking in, I generally think the greater the need you're going to have for integration to avoid, you know, complete breakdown and neurosis or schizophrenia or something like that. So, so my, my idea is that, and maybe I'm not explaining this very well, but my idea is that because people are becoming more and more gluttonous for information, there will be a necessary um, push towards integration of that information it's not going to happen in in like every individual or even most individuals i just think it will be a general trend and of course people can integrate them in ways that are pathologically false and that's you know look at the truther movement or something like that that is a big attempt to integrate their worldviews i'm not saying this always leads to being right I those, don't. those guys, are, by the way, they're really smart in a, in a way, in an evolutionary way. Yeah. They found a way to integrate everything within their framework. Like, you can't say anything that mm. will, you know, they will see as your disagreement with their worldview. Like, this is seriously super, you know, effective. Sure. Like, they yeah. made a framework that you just can't combat at all. Exactly. Because if you say something that agrees with it, they're like, yeah, you agree with us. But if you some say something that disagrees with them, they're like, you're part of the conspiracy. Sure. Clearly, you know. Yeah, it's like solipsism. It's exactly like solipsism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the classic echo chamber. And, and it fits that meme pyramid idea as well. They have constructed effective master memes, like some of their conspiracy theories and things like that, which can e effectively exclude anything that doesn't fit the rest of yeah. their framework. So I, love, I have to say that, you know, I love the guys. If you if you go to any truther video, then you know if like you know after anything you know any terror act or something, there will yeah. be a lot of those, right? False flag. So I was I was watching someone you know last Vegas shooting where they were saying, oh you know if Khalili has a second gun, like I like how they are all experts on everything. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy that. But what I enjoy the most is that in the comment to any of those videos, you will have their entire myth mythology. 
Like, sure. everything. You will have them saying, oh, you know, it's reptiloids. Somebody will say, but this is because of the chemtrails. And vaccines. And then somebody will be like, you know, but it's clearly because of, you know, the fluoride. And it's like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Like, their in-tribe mythology would be there. They kind of, you know, it's like, I feel like it's almost like, you know, a prayer. You come yeah, to the church, it's a mantra, right? And sure. then the pastor would say, you know, today, you know, Jane was born and, you know, Peter and Mary got married. And then, you know, you go into your usual routine, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. You God say, glory to the God, yeah. like, blah, 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 <laughs> mea culpa, and so on. So you kind of just reinforce what you already believe in. This is just... <laughs> <laughs> I find it really funny. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like fantastically it's so interesting. Funny. It's fantastically interesting, yeah. Uh, so, I, look, I just I have a belief based on what I think it is to be mentally healthy almost, uh, and I can expound on that if you want me to, but I think that there is a tendency towards, these are very much metaphorical terms, but organizationing, or, organizationing, organizing, organization of um, and an increase in the structural integrity of conscious brain activity. Uh, that that's why people are so interested in meditation. I think now, you know, I think this is a direct consequence of the fact that people are being exposed to so much information that they're being taken over by task shifting, rapid task shifting, and social media has a huge impact in this way. And it's extremely draining, and it causes it really causes depression. And I think that that's the the result of a kind of fragmenting a decrease in the structural integrity of conscious brain activity and i think that meditation and we've talked about this heaps of times but i think that meditation is is essentially a defragging process and of course yeah. I, I i link that to to you know what is it to be stimulated by something to be stimulated by something is to have that thing capture your attention and what happens when your attention is captured is that all of your, you know, brain activity, your conscious brain activity and your cognitive brain activity is, well, you know, maybe there's some unconscious stuff that's not directed in a certain direction, but everything is focused on that one thing. So when that piece of art, that symphony, that string quartet, whatever, captures your attention and you really, you know, there's nothing going on for you except that piece of art. I think that is a fundamentally healthy state for for the brain. It's basically taking yeah. a break from yourself. It's when like the self is basically auto-generated activity to some extent. Um, when, oh, I mean it clearly is. Yeah, but, yeah okay, sure. I'm more like my, I'm not so convinced that yeah. you will be able to you know. Uh, like mm. in one person, you yeah. will be able to concentrate all the necessary streams of information yeah. you need to inform the opinions about, you know, the world at large. Yeah, Whereas maybe not. Like, you know, maybe not. Think, yeah. you know, it seems like you know, when more and more, and I really like this kind of a, for me personally, is the um, reason to believe that there is actually moral progression is that, you know, more yeah. and more people and there is more and more in the zeitgeist that we understand that things are actually complex. Yeah. And or complex if you're American, and there are like a lot of <laughs> like you know a lot of uh, reasons for you know each single cause sure. to sure. to happen, right? Yeah. Whether you have whatever the opposite way, cause effect, reason cause. For each effect, reason. there are many causes. You know, there's a, a network. Effect. Yeah, you're talking yeah. about a network. So, of, yeah, of uh, cause and effect. Like yeah. That you know things are you know not as simple as we try to portray them, for but sure. that brings know us to the understanding that you can never have enough information yeah. to have a fully informed opinion mm. and with the amount uh, like the speed of the um, 
information multiplication now, it's it's just, you know, astonishing. Like, you know, if we take sure. even, you know, the field that we're working at, right? right? So, you know, whatever, like if you're trying to read up everything there is about the gene duplication and your, you know, specific interest, there is a lot of stuff and it keeps yeah. coming up. It can keep, you know, keep coming out. So I personally hope that there will be some AI that will just, you know, compress it sure. and, you know, say to you, okay, yeah. here is what you should think <laughs> about it. Sure. Because, uh, like, you know, you have your, you know, work or whatever, you, this gene duplication that you go on that you go on and then somebody says hey what do you think about lucy king you're like i have no fucking idea you know <laughs> and then you need to be like okay this is what's happening but then you you will read some other article who says this is what's happening yeah. and then you have to make your own opinion and this is just about one thing and there are a lot of things sure, happening you know sure. you, then you need to go and vote for the president yeah and you have no idea sure and i think so this is the great challenge so many things happening of now course. like this is the great the challenge of, of philosophy in some sense you know is to create these integra integrative or integrating frameworks that you can understand you know, in, in an ideal sense, the whole of reality through. And if you, I'll just drop a few names and concepts really quickly. Yeah, I mean, David Deutsch is really interesting on this subject. He has a, a whole chapter in one of his yeah, books okay. ab about how, you know, it's possible if you, if you have the right principles and you understand the principles deeply enough, it's kind of almost a deterministic idea, although he's not a determinist. In, well, he's, he's a many-worlds determinist, which means that any world is, is open, so he's not a determinist in the sense that we don't have free will. But anyway, um, he basically thinks can, if you have the right for, principles... For, for, the, for the sake of my uh, stability, can I just drop a range in your cogs and ask you, what's yeah. that uh, about, you know, name-dropping in, you know, English <laughs> culture? I, like, this is completely alien to me, you know, because if... You're speaking in, mm. in, you know, in Russia, and you're speaking to a person, you can say, hey, you know, this is what the other guy is thinking, you know, hey, this is, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. there is no a concept that that would be odd. It's like, oh, no, you know, I your name dropping. Yeah, like, no, I think that the name, the, yeah, the name dropping thing is not, is not what I'm, what I just did as such. The, the, the issue people have with name dropping is when you say, oh, I'm friends with, or I met so-and-so, you know, you try and align yourself with a famous person. And to some sense, in some sense, that also happens when you try and say, this is this is what I believe, but please accept this authority's word for it. But obviously, you know, like, so I'm not just going to tell you that what Tim Jackson believes, I'm going to tell you what David Deutsch believes. But at, okay, at the same... At, at, so, I know what Tim Jackson believes in more or less. So, <laughs> so no, but so that's what I mean. You, you're, you are strengthening your own point of view. So you can see it as a negative in that way. That's But that's like saying referencing is negative. It's, it's saying, you know, you can't just make a statement. You need to erect additional support for it. And a way of erecting additional support for it is by name-dropping someone who has come up with a particularly interesting argument about... You know who was good, who were good with that? Authors of Malice Maleficorum. Yeah, for sure. They were good at name-dropping. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, so basically, uh, you know, the, just the Deutsch thing in, in a nutshell. And you can think of this as very platonic... And you can think of this 
as as you know the kind of the guiding idea of theoretical physics since Einstein, but even before. I mean, Laplace's demon. Maybe I shouldn't load up the conversation with too much esoterica, but all of those have in them somehow instantiated the idea that if you know the original, um, the principles in, in physics, it might be the laws of physics, but if you know the right explanatory um, principles, you can integrate everything in relation to those. So a very simplistic idea of that is the idea of, of, of you know, of hard determinism, where once you know the uh, it's the Laplace's demon thing. So if you had a, a powerful enough consciousness or computer that knew, had the correct laws um, of causation, the correct laws of physics, and knew the position of every quote-unquote fundamental particle in the universe, yeah. they could extrapolate the entire future. You know, so that's that's yeah, simple yeah. determinism, yeah. right? But mm. the Deutschian idea, or what I'm calling the Deutschian idea which is actually, Deutsch would argue, and I would tend to agree, and I mean, he got it from Popper anyway, but it's kind of the the goal of science is to erect explanatory frameworks, is to find the right principles that explain the way reality is. So if you have those, so the argument goes, you can integrate everything in reality in relation to those principles. That's what we try to do with with evolutionary but when we when we look at evolutionary processes in biology and in culture and in the universe and all these kind of things what we're trying to do is we're trying to say that i mean and this brings us to my my piece permanent evolution conveniently enough what we're trying to say is that these this is the basic principle and in order to understand any given phenomenon any given thing in reality like understand why it exists and and how it is and how it's likely to develop and all that kind of stuff situated in its evolutionary context that's that's the dennett would call it the universal acid of evolutionary theory that it changes everything um, that-